One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Guys, I can't lie. May and I were so enthusiastic about today's topic that we quite literally forgot to introduce ourselves. So I'd like to welcome you to Football Chat with May and Kat. Today is all about women's football, and we're really excited to bring you this one. So your experience living in the UK, if I was you, I would have gone over to the UK and expected that there are all these women's teams and it's similar to the men's experience, but you found the opposite. You didn't know where to play you realised that very few of your local friends were actually partaking in the sport. Yeah, I I found that there's a lot of casual football going on. So a lot more people play in, like, five-a-side leagues or just casually in the park, not registered, whatnot, uh, at, at both for men and women. I don't... I don't. I haven't met women who play football other than the women I've met while playing football. Yeah. Uh, and whereas almost every male plays, um, but then yeah, the presence of local clubs for women is there's not many. There's not much uh, mm. in comparison to Sydney, where there's clubs everywhere, and each club has several divisions and multiple teams and. Yeah, so I have I did find the grassroots experience is much more um, established in Australia, and at the same time, the women's in the UK or in England anyway. I can't speak about other parts of the UK. the The lowest tier is still, and the lowest tier of grassroots football is still a competitive league. So you're still getting women who've been playing for for a while and know what they're doing. If you're an adult woman who wants to come and play, there's not really anywhere for you to go. Uh, or you've got to find some sort of training experience, which makes it much harder for someone yeah. to break into the sport. Well, that that happened to you, right? So you were trying to find another... This was before you came to Cyprus, but weren't you trying to find a team and then you'd go and they'd have multiple tryout stages and stuff just because it's obviously so few teams for the amount of people that would like to play. And so they have to be a bit more selective. They don't have the option yeah. that we have of playing. I don't have any issue in Australia finding a team is what I'm trying to say. Whereas you actually have yeah. issues. Yeah. You have to, you actually have to go and go along to several training sessions before they would accept you into a team. I think there's very few teams with open door policies. Uh, there are some, I won't say there are none at all, but there are, uh, most of those teams I'd spoken to wanted you to come and train several times with them before they let you into their team. Mm. Uh, and yeah, you're right. In Australia, you you go to a club, you might have to figure out which division you suit into. But generally speaking, you can join whatever team you want to join. Um, yeah. So it's as and. Uh, for me, someone who's played football for a while, I found that a little bit, I guess coming from Australia, I found it a little bit confronting, but I could imagine if you're someone who 
hasn't played that much or is new to the sport, not very confident in themselves, it, it would be very hard to try and get yourself, get the confidence to push yourself to join the sport at an adult stage, I think. For sure. In Barcelona, there were definitely options to play women's, but I think the casual football was really popular. So they had lots of apps where you could sign up to play on a day-to-day basis. You know, you didn't really have to sign up for a whole season. Um, I never really looked into that, but I, I do wonder if if there would have been more options than the UK. But I do love how the first time I visited you and I flew over from Barcelona, the same day I was so tired and you were like, all right, we're going to play football. Get your boots on. And I actually had my boots, which was great. Yeah. But I loved that. I loved that. It was so much fun. I felt really, I was having my bend at like Becca moment playing in the UK. It was really cool. I think it's fair to say that since 2019, women's football has, the coverage has grown a lot and we are seeing a lot more of it in in media and in apps. I know my Optus Sport, I have access to a lot more women's football than I did previously. But previous to 2019, there were huge disparities between men and women's football. So, for example, back in 2013, 99% of sports coverage was men's sports of all kinds, and then 1% of that was women's, which is crazy when you think about the fact that in 2019 there was a combined viewership of the France-Brazil game of 35.2 million people, and then... In 2015, the previous record was 25.4 million people who tuned in to watch the US and Japan. That that was two years after they recorded a 1% share in sports coverage. I think as a female, I often fall for, I don't want to say that it's not that we don't care, but it's, it's culture, right? And you end up partaking in in this very male-dominated sports culture because it's so accessible and it's always there and it's easy to watch and you and I talk about it on a weekly basis so we're very much a part of that patriarchal sports culture that I definitely don't hate but I think having that consciousness to partake more in women's sport it actually takes it requires a little bit more effort because it's not as accessible Um, And though we are seeing changes in it, there have been events over the last couple of years that have suggested that there's still a long, long, long way to go, um, despite the kind of viewership that we are seeing in Women's World Cups and the like. So, for example, the controversy from last year was, this is particularly in the UK, that the FA had decided to close the Women's Academy, Academy and end the season short whereas the Men's Academy stayed open and the com- the competition reconvened at a later date. So instead of completing the women's season, they said, no, they're fine, but we'll make sure that the men's season finishes. So what a lot of players commented on was the fact that they would show up at the club and the women's locker rooms would be shut, but the men's would be open. And this even though the FA prides itself on core values of diversity, inclusivity, equality, what they did preaches everything other than that. And it reminds us a lot of back in the day when women couldn't even play, don't you think? 
completely uh and it it's it's not a, a reflection it's not just a reflection of the the fa but also media and society and what what people expect because i remember in march when the season was paused no one was talking about oh we have to get women's football back online no one was talking about oh but but the women's super league has to finish uh, but the thought of ending the Premier League there and then and, mm. and not letting the teams play it out, even though it was clear who was going to win the title, uh, was just preposterous. No one, that was not an option. Uh, and I think a large part of why it wasn't was purely money-based. Uh, the broadcasters would expect money back from the clubs and the clubs couldn't afford that and uh, the fans would not allow it and it, it was mm. a mix of everything. But there was no outcry about the women's sport being cancelled. No, absolutely not. And something that I read was that it's kind of this institutionalised sexism where it's so ingrained in the way that we do things that even as females, I didn't, I never felt the absence of women's football, which I feel regretful about that because, you know, it is the livelihood of, of athletes, of female athletes, yet it paid me no attention during the time, you know, where everyone was dying to have the Premier League back. But I think this is just a sign of how far we have to go in terms of actually achieving equality in sport. And it's something that I know plenty of males agree with as well. We shouldn't forget that also football was banned for 50 years in England. They banned it in the 20s and it was only after England won the World Cup that there was talk about women being allowed to play again. And then I think it was two years after they won the World Cup that UEFA actually stepped in wow. uh, and and told the FA this needs to restart. So women's football has only really existed in, in the UK since the 70s, that's what, 50, 50 years. Uh, whereas when you think how long the men's leagues have been around. I mean, prior to the Premier League, there's like the FA Cup, I don't know, has been going on for how many years. I can't even keep track of it. So Long it's, time. it's not as institutionalised. It's mm-hmm. not as ingrained in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of reminds me of when I wanted to start playing football and there was no girls' team at my school. Uh, and football wasn't banned in Australia. Australia's had allowed women's football since the 1920s but when I wanted to play football I mean I was what eight years old so sometime in the 90s Mm. and my school didn't have a women's team it didn't girls team it didn't have a girls team and I ended up playing netball instead even though I had kind of played backyard soccer with my brother and our neighbors growing up and I had decided that was the sport I wanted to play when I was old enough to play school sport. I didn't have the option. And you had a similar experience as well, didn't you? Yeah, so in primary school, every girl played netball. And so when I started in kindergarten, my brother, who was two years ahead of me, enrolled in soccer at the same time, playing for All Saints Hunters Hill, I'll never forget it, the orange and blue jersey. But as an as a seven year old, my mum 
enrolled me in netball and fair enough, every other mother was doing it too. But I was forced to wear a skirt, scungies or scrunchies or whatever those weird undies are that you had to wear. I learned about scungies. Yeah, (laughs) you had to wear these weird undies because your skirt's going to fly up. I hated it. I honestly hated it. I did not like the sport. I, to this day, I think I have a bit of an issue with netball because it's just, just play basketball. Um, but anyway, so I had begged and begged and begged my mother to enroll me in football because I was watching my brother play every Saturday and I was running up and down the sidelines in wherever the ball was, I was, I was pretending to kick and I was getting into it. And then the opportunity came up in the following season where my mum had just asked the question on enrollment day and they had said, well, we don't have a girls team, but she can play with the boys if she wants. And so I remember my mum being like, are you okay if I enroll you in a boys team? And I was like, yeah, bring it on, mum. Bring it on. I was such a tomboy. I was like, I want to be with the boys anyway. So I remember playing with them for a couple of seasons and really that's when I learnt the basics, you know what I mean? And, yeah. um, and it was amazing. After a couple of years, a few other girls started enrolling until I hit 12 and I could just enroll in a female comp. But it was, I loved that experience, but it is crazy to look back on it and think I had to play with boys because there was no other option. And to be honest, I do think that it's changed in Australia. Like I think it would be fair to say that you could most likely enroll an eight-year-old girl into an all-girls team now because the sport has grown a lot. But I guess it's just a testament to the growth, isn't it? The fact that you know, I'm 26, so not that long ago, it wasn't an option and now it is. So it's pretty amazing, as you were saying about grassroots football. That's probably where we can observe the most changes in the game, don't you think? Yes, because the player numbers have grown and not a lot of people know this, but football is actually the biggest sport in Australia by player numbers. Hmm. So you would find that it, it, it can't just be because of the men, it's because there are both men and women of every age signing up to this sport. And and I know people I worked with in Australia would tell me how their their daughters want to start playing football and they talked to me about it because they knew I'd play. Yeah. Uh, so it is, it is growing and it's something that more young girls are playing. And as I said before, there's also the option for older women or young adults to play for the first time because clubs will take on inexperienced players and beginners as well. So it's it's uh, getting traction and growing and events like the World Cup, the Women's World Cup and yeah. uh, the, the National Women's League as well. These are the things that drive that. I think also having such a strong women's team in Australia and having iconic female players Absolutely. that are doing really well around the world is well, supporting that and yeah. it's seen even with the men's even with the men's game uh australia is not known as a footballing country mm. for men anyway but even <laughs> in the men's game every time australia qualified for the world cup which in recent years has been more consistent they would see the sport grow uh and now with the women's sport growing internationally with with aussie Aussie female players playing um, 
playing in in the UK and the USA and around the world, it's getting much more exposure and more and more people want to partake in the sport. Absolutely. I mean, the Matildas are ranked sixth in the world. But but for some reason, you know, we know more about the Socceroos. I do think that... The Socceroos, I think, are in the 40s. So it's, it's crazy that our... Our women's team is far more successful than our men's team. Mm -hmm. And yet all the kind of glory is given to the men's team. I I feel like it's necessary to say, though, that, you know, the success doesn't have to be at the expense of the other, right? What we would love to see is that Australia just dominates in the men's and the women's. But I think we should give credit where it's due. And when you look at where a lot of our top Australian female players are playing. It's incredible who are quite literally playing the highest grade of football that you can play. You've got Sam Kerr playing for Chelsea, which is unbelievable. And she had offers from all over the place and she chose to play for Chelsea because that was a dream that she'd had from a young age, which I just think is amazing. You've got Alex Chidiak who played for... Atletico Madrid and she's just moved back to Australia and she's playing for Melbourne City. But Atletico Madrid were the top team in the Spanish Women's League, which is just a testament to obviously how well she did in Spain. Um, And you've got so many others. Then there's Ellie Carpenter who plays for Lyon who have in recent years won, I think it's several women's champions leagues in a row yeah no they are the number one women's team in europe yeah they are and i don't think there's any australian men players who have had as much success as our, our female players not in this not in the last couple of years anyway um definitely and i think it's worth mentioning that sam kerr actually did get an offer from leon and then chose chelsea because she and you saw the way I don't know if you saw it, but when Chelsea signed Sam Kerr, how how much they blasted the news over their social media and not just their women's accounts but their men's account as well. Mm. It was big news from Chelsea, and Massive. they were super excited to sign her. Yeah. Um, so it goes to show the status that she has mm-hmm. in in football. Absolutely, you can see that um, it's been recognised by the FFA. So. Australian Football Federation uh, that the importance of the women players because they are do now play pay uh, women as much as men when they appear for Australia. Yeah, and I think it's that is kind of critical, and a lot of countries are, are moving towards that. England does it, Norway does it. Um, so there's there's a list of other countries that all do it as well but i think in countries like australia and and the usa as well where your women's teams are actually more successful than your men's team uh it's it's a hard argument for them to say that women shouldn't be paid as much as men yeah absolutely at the end of the day the exposure to the sport all comes down to money Mm -hmm. and and the reason they couldn't call off the Premier League when the COVID thing lockdown happened was because of money. Yeah. And it, it, the players are paid 
their salaries. They say women need to be paid more. And I can understand the commercial argument that, well, women's sport just doesn't bring in as much as men's. Uh, but with the growth of it, and in countries such as Australia or in the USA, where women are actually more successful than men, the argument is starting to... I guess the argument is less significant now. Absolutely. Commercially. Um, yeah. I think as well, I mean, FIFA, for example, they can't tell you the difference between the revenue they make from the men's and the women's competitions. And that's because they sell things to advertisers as a partnership. I do feel like it's a little strange because in most industries you can still break down revenue to that to that degree. But, you know, they're in a position to say that the men are still making more than the women, but we can't tell you exactly how much more, which does make you question whether winning $4 million as in the Women's World Cup, you know, the team that won won more, $4 million. The men's team that won won $38 million. I still agree that men's football is making a hell of a lot of money in comparison to women's. Yeah. But, I mean, that that gap is, is humongous. Do you think it's like it's a bit of like a chicken and egg situation where what's going to come first? Uh, women's sport has to make more money or more money has to be given to women's sport? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's probably the latter because if you're paying players more, if you're putting more money into the sport, it's going to get more exposure. Clubs are going to invest in it more. Um, women are actually able to dedicate their lives to, to playing as opposed to um, a lot of women's leagues where the salaries aren't enough to sustain, to sustain themselves and it can't be their full-time job. Mm-hmm. So uh, it will it will grow the sport, it will grow the players, it will grow the exposure, and that in turn will bring in more money. Uh, if the media is if the media is putting women's sport in the headlines more, mm-hmm. then then it should be getting more attention and more viewership. And it's already shown that that there are fans who want to watch it. There are people Absolutely. out there wanting to watch women's football. Um, so why not? I mean, you look at I mean, tennis, for example, I don't think it's 50-50 men and women, but I think it's it's probably the closest in terms of sports. But how did it get to that? Yeah. Right? It's The women's game is on the same stage as the men's game, and people value the women players as much as they value the men's players. So why can't that be the case for other sports as well? I think it's proof that it can be done, and it's just going to yeah. take time. You know, tennis is such a classic sport for females in the sense that no one bats an eyelid at a professional tennis player but I feel like a a female football player has to prove herself a lot more and maybe that's just my opinion but I do just think you grow up seeing that even in tennis Serena Williams is very widely accepted as one of the most successful sports people of of all time Mm -hmm. but so many people will argue oh well but she's she's a woman she didn't have the same level of competition that that Federer and Djokovic and whoever else have to face as men yeah uh, which is completely unfair because she's she's played through pregnancy she's come back after pregnancy and at her age and she's still winning grand slams yeah that also is a cultural change that needs to happen and the media supports culture so I think it's I guess both both need to change for this to go forward. 
I agree. If this is actually the perfect time to bring up um, a little poll that I did on the Kicking Off With Cat Instagram, which is um, my Instagram. And I asked people questions about women's football. So it's just to get an idea of how people generally think about it and what the general sentiment is like. So we had 62% of people say that they watch women's football, which is actually pretty good. Um, I've got about 2,000 people that follow me and of the couple of hundred that actually answered the poll, that's quite a hefty amount of people. And then those who think female players are as skilled as male players was 55%. So just over half of the people that answered think that female players are as skilled as male players. And I think this goes back to your Serena Williams comment and this is something that women face in everything is the comparison to males at the end of the day we have different physical capabilities and while on average a female may not be as strong as a male it doesn't take from their agility and their skill and their strategic ability to to play any sport or to do anything Um, it's all relative but it was really interesting to see that general response from people. In 2019, when Man City won the domestic treble in in English football, uh, someone in one of his press interviews, he was being interviewed. Um, obviously, that's what happens in a press interview. But in one of his press interviews, uh, he was asked by a reporter, how does it feel to, to be the first team to, to win the domestic treble? Mm-hmm. And his response was, we're not the first team. Arsenal women's was the first team. So Beautiful. Yeah, which, I mean, Pep obviously knows that, but the the media doesn't, the reporter doesn't. It Mm -hmm. kind of put it back on the reporter that you have to recognise these things. And and it goes to show that the media aren't, they're not all valuing it or they're not doing their research properly for that matter. Um, Women's football isn't considered... On the same level as men's. No, I think this goes back to what you said about how what we are seeing is institutionalized and it's culture. And until you see a change in the way that we do things and the way that we share information, it's we're going to see this disparity. But what I do think is amazing is that in the last 10 years, we've seen such a change in women's football And I truly believe that in another 10 years, it'll be a very different experience for our daughters playing the game. You know, when I was eight, I didn't have anyone other than just Minda from Bendit Like Beckham to look up to, so. (laughs) I mean, I see it now going to to women's games. And um, I went to one of Australia's World Cup games in France in 2019. And I could see the number of there were a lot of Australians who had gone to France to support the Matildas. And I think what, what I was also blown away by were the number of young children there. So mm. parents that had brought their young girls and even sons to the to these games. Um, and when I compare that to the men's World Cups that I've been to, you didn't see, you didn't see that presence of children as such. Wow. Uh, there were some children there, but not, not in the the way that they were at the Women's World Cup. And I quite I quite loved that. I would have loved as a child for my parents to have taken me to to a World Cup men or women's uh, and to go support Australia play or, 
or whoever for that matter Iran but um it's they have that opportunity now and you can see that there are more children supporting the women's team at a younger age because there are there are icons there are role models and there are they're a team that is successful and people want to get behind them and support the sport in Australia absolutely and I remember a couple of years ago we were talking about what happened in Iran I mean this is a whole other story about women's repression women not being allowed. <laughs> yeah the repression of women when it comes to sport in general but I think we're so lucky that we can even talk about it so freely because that yeah. is something that is severely taken for granted on a daily basis with me until I remember the battle that other females have gone through not just to play but to to attend to a game this is You're something right. that, that I mean for me is an alternate reality because that could have been my life mm-hmm. where I'd be could have grown up in a country where not only yet yeah, not only was I not allowed to play I wouldn't even be allowed to go attend games uh, so we are very lucky absolutely to, to have yeah the for context May's family is from Iran and so and you know and in Iran, women are not allowed to go to football stadiums, or they weren't. And then um, I think last year or the year before, uh, a woman died as she a was result protesting. of what had happened. And yeah. she kind of became this icon uh, to get women back into stadiums. And there was a lot of push from players and from FIFA and big names to get to get women into football stadiums and Iran did did end up changing the policy. Yeah, thank God. But I guess it's just while we talk about viewership and giving female footballers enough credit, we have to remember that there's this whole other world of of female repression that unfortunately is really sad to think about it, but it but it is the way of life for a lot of people. So um you know, we are seeing a lot of changes. Like Argentina announced their first women's league. I think it was in two thousand and nineteen. There's, they're always which, growing, which, and we're always seeing more. It still, it still blows my mind that like a football mad country such as Argentina wouldn't have had a women's league. Ultimately, we're talking about this not to slander men's football because we love it. It's our. It, if I could make it my bread and butter, I would. If I could work in that industry I would where we're giving it a go with the podcast but at the end of the day I think it's more a matter of giving credit where it's due and and acknowledging the skill of female footballers and and also just talking about it more and and making it so that we don't have to have that conversation of whether or not it matters because it should matter you know at the at its core it should be no different to men's football but it's because of this culture that we live in that it is. No, but nothing women do should be any different to what men do, whether it's sports or anything else. And and that's an overarching goal that we're all working towards anyway. Absolutely. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I do have to call out that a lot of men left amazing comments about what they think about women's football on my Instagram. I had a friend tell me that there is no question that women are more skilled. All you have to do is watch Matilda's vs. Socceroos, which I thought was kind of funny. 
Um, and another said that he was watching Sydney FC play last weekend and he thought it was an amazing performance. I guess all we need to do is start watching it and then you'll be reminded pretty quickly how impressive these ladies are. And let's not forget that Australia and New Zealand have won have won the rights to co-host the Women's World Cup in 2023. So fingers crossed that, um, I mean, <laughs> at this rate, let's just hope it even goes ahead. But fingers crossed that uh, it's a big success and it, and it brings the women's game, not just in Australia and New Zealand, but around the world to the centre stage and more. Um, more prevalent in society. Absolutely. And it's worth shouting out that we will have a very successful female player on our show in a couple of weeks. She had a college scholarship, played in Wyoming, and she is now playing for the Newcastle Jets. So I won't be giving any other information out, but I just want you guys to know that we are actively trying to get some really cool, successful females involved in this podcast because we want to give them a platform to show off how great they are. Anyway, we're really looking forward to the next couple of weeks and keeping the conversation going about women's football and men's football and all the things that are great in life, which is football. So (laughs) love it. All right. Thanks for your time, May. A pleasure as always. Always, always. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.